2: Hey, fellow Dgens! Do you want to own a piece of a premium sportsbook and casino? Well, now's your chance because Moonbet gives you an opportunity to do just that by holding their Mbet crypto tokens. The best part? They're now holding a Moonbet lottery where you can win fifteen hundred dollars worth of tokens head over to moonbet.org and purchase tokens for your automatic entry if you use the link in the description they'll know that you're a true degen eclipse the competition and make some money fools
0: absolute sports betting degeneracy
2: hey
1: everybody arch here and i've got a very very special guest with me alex what's going on alex
3: hey how are you arch i appreciate you know you having me on obviously
1: yeah, I've been trying to do it for a while. I had to lure you out of hiding.
3: Yeah, you had to lure me out of hiding. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, Alex,
1: you have a little bit of history with sports betting. Do you want to kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe, you know, kind of like your your love-hate relationship with sports betting?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I've been betting on sports a while. I've been gambling even longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just always like to gamble. So, you know, obviously sports betting is very new in a lot of countries, other countries, not so much, but before sports betting came to the U S in a regulated format, I was betting offshore. And then kind of with, you know, the Supreme court in 2018, I was in Pennsylvania working full-time, which was the second state that was legalized. Mm -hmm. So quickly kind of hopped on board, you know, all of those sports books and just have kind of seen more and more and more pop up. And really, I would say I'm, I've always been focused on advantage gambling, just like not gambling necessarily. Of course I have fun doing it. Of course I like betting on sports and watching the games, but also just actually trying to make some money out of it. Mm-hmm. So I would say like, just kind of seeing the evolution of the U S and like, you know, the different books in different States and everything. Um, I don't know, it made me exciting. It took up all my spare time and now I'm kinda here. So
1: Where's here? We should tell people what your site is and and what you help develop, right?
3: Yeah. So I am currently one of the co founders, lead engineers at Odds Jam. We're, you know, an odds comparison and betting tool site and blog for the US and Canada. So I would say, you know, we're one of the few companies in the industry who who isn't a sports book or currently in a, you know, like an affiliate provider to sportsbooks, like our business model isn't selling people's data to sports books or, <laughs> you know, taking wagers. So we're definitely unique in, in that aspect.
1: I, I'm glad you brought that up because that is unique to Oddsjam. Uh, you know, he, your model is not dependent on people losing money at the sports book. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, most... Yeah, exactly. We're we're not. I mean, not at all, actually. Right. then you know, not at all.
1: To the point where sportsbooks probably don't like some of the things you you do, right? <laughs> Maybe.
3: Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, it's definitely something where sportsbooks are in the business of getting out their logo. If you think about the U.S. I believe there's almost fifty regulated sportsbooks at this point. Um, you know, I don't live in Canada, but I know it's a ton and a ton. it's just starting to kinda it, like we're just taking off in the US. It's not even thirty percent of the country's legalized and so a lot more coming. So I don't know, it's kind of a marketing war. And <laughs> in a, in essence, like we are free marketing. Um <laughs> for many books in some sense, right? Like we display odds. So um those odds include a book's logo, right? So in a sense we we do um You're doing them a service, really. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I would say overall, I mean, definitely I try to make money when I bet, but I would say we we have a lot of people who just check odds on our site and they may or may not be making money or not. They may or may not be making money or not making money. We have a lot of free features Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, odds comparison, just kind of like looking at odds between different bookmakers is something that's kind of very common. and yeah i would say it's probably a net positive to most books because you know if you think about it like they charge four five six percent big right mm-hmm. on all these lines so that's not a small amount of money every a thousand dollars bet they're netting an average of 60 bucks 50 bucks like not a terrible business model that's really know?
1: really not what did you like to bet you weren't always a sports better you're a gambler what, what what else did you like to bet outside of sports
3: i mean i worked full-time as a trader so oh, i worked okay. on wall street full-time that's a yeah, yeah. it's a real gambling no so, i mean like really like to gamble i mean i like <laughs> poker i like i like you know really any game where you can actually win ah. at least in my opinion you can win like you can't win playing roulette so i'm never never really the guy like sitting at the roulette wheel just like gambling to gamble mm-hmm. but like i like games where i feel like there's strategy and you know you can actually have a mathematical edge and win
1: I got you. Not craps, blackjack, any of that? Are you an advantage no, player in blackjack no, or anything?
3: You can't. you can't win in blackjack. I mean, you could card count, but I mean, that's a little bit of thing of the past. Like, if you're playing online, especially, like online poker, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's there's winners right online blackjack there's no there's no winners
1: have you seen an online blackjack game a live dealer online blackjack game they split that shoe less than half you play less than half that shoe they're so afraid of card counting
3: yeah exactly i i have played i've seen online blackjack because a lot of these books have have casinos and like you know they'll give you a hundred bucks or whatever to like they'll give you casino credits you can like play with to try to get you into the casino aspect of the
4: Mm -hmm, of the company mm -hmm, but um
3: that's a lot of books, at least in the US. I'm not so sure about Canada. But, um so I played, you know, a little, but I wouldn't say yeah, I definitely haven't dabbled too heavily in online blackjack.
1: I gotcha. That's cool. So okay, so you're a trader. Pennsylvania opens up legalized gambling. Is that it? Yep. You just, just that's it? Like you just quit your job and became a sports better and then decided, well, no, we need an odds jam. No,
3: absolutely not. Um, I mean, I loved my job, I really did. And like I bet I just, you know, I bet on sports for a lot of my free time and I thought about sports betting and I enjoyed it and a lot of people I worked with enjoyed it. And we talk about sports betting and a lot of my friends in Pennsylvania who I didn't work with like to bet on sports. And I would say like most of the people, at least especially that I worked with, right, are pretty mathematical people and I just thought Mm -hmm. it was fun. Like I mean I've said this before. I've said this on other videos and things like that. Like, I just think it's, it's a thrill to like go into a night knowing you have a mathematical edge and you have thousands of dollars bet. And then just like kind of watching it play out. Like I enjoy it. Right. And I, you know, I accept variance, I guess, in a sense, like, I I understand you're never going to always win. You're never gonna, you know, like I completely understand that but I understand like the power of having a mathematical edge, right?
1: Absolutely. Well, you you talked about that and that's what odds jam does. Uh, you know, it, the very first function that will jump out at anybody about odds jam is arbitrage. Absolutely. And that's you know, that's right there That's front and center. It's on your menu, arbitrage plays. For sure. Yeah. So 100%. Any advice you wanted to talk about with arbitrage because I have a couple questions about that.
3: Yeah, um I could do a monologue about <laughs> arbitrage, but if you think about at the core, like, why does arbitrage exist? Mm-hmm. And, right, these sports books DraftKings, FanDuel, that B Win, you know, whatever, and Bet. I mean, overall, these, these books, like, they don't want their lines to be the same. We wouldn't need hundreds and hundreds of sports books in this global sports betting ecosystem if all books had the same lines. So largely, especially the big players, they want their own lines. BetMGM doesn't want the same lines as DraftKings. They don't want the same lines as FanDuel. And um, you know, if you think about it, these sports books make money by charging a spread, by charging the big, but they have tens of thousands of odds on their site yeah. at any given time. And keeping those all online isn't necessarily something that is easy right? This is a lot of it's algorithmically done. So long story short, when discrepancies exist, arbitrage happens, right? Where you can place two opposing bets, two equal and opposite bets on two sportsbooks or more, three, whatever, cover all the outcomes and make risk-free money. So like over nine runs, under nine runs on bad MGM, DraftKings, I mean, whatever, like go millions of examples, Padres to score first, Diamondbacks to score first. And when these discrepancies exist, you know, sometimes there's a chance you can place a bet on over 9.5 runs on DraftKings, under 9.5 on FanDuel, locking in a free profit. And that's wonderful in some ways. In other ways, it's hard, right? It's hard to it's hard to execute, but um, it's hard to implement, even though the idea of it sounds great. But in another sense, like a lot of this is just volume driven, right? Like if BetMGM has taken a bunch of volume on the over in the Diamondbacks game, then maybe you can get a good price on the under, right? It's just kind of how it works is these sportsbooks are in the business of risk management. They don't want to have a ton of millions of dollars of sweat on a particular game in a night. So, you know, sometimes these line discrepancies aren't even necessarily a bad thing. It's just kind of like moving risk around.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. If you're hyper-aggressive on arbitrage, sometimes you're going to get noticed by the sports books and they might en- sure. end up limiting you. Is there anything we can do to kind of fly under the radar? Maybe not bet the exotic ones so much? Maybe just stick to safer, generalized bets like team totals?
2: Yeah, I mean,
3: absolutely. I would say, like, before anything, I mean, if you're making a substantial amount of money sports betting yes, and you haven't been limited, and I understand this is controversial to some people who feel like they've made money, but the people who think they've made a ton, a ton of money sports betting and they haven't been tracking their bets. They don't actually know their exact PNL profit and loss on a book. Like, sports books are not in the business of keeping around winners. You're never gonna make a million dollars off B win. Whoever thinks they are, it's just it's just not gonna happen, right? These books always can limit you. This is One of the most basic truths of sports betting is that's why, you know, overall sports books don't even really have to invest in being able to set very competent lines. It's a very simple game. It's when you realize the better is smart, you limit them. And if they're dumb, or I shouldn't say that, if they're not, you know, because it's not necessarily dumb, if they don't have a mathematical edge and they aren't taking tons of money from you, then you keep them around and you can let them bet bigger. And then you're making the big on that percentage. So I would say, like, I've been limited by a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I've had models to bet on sports. I've done a ton of different types of what I would call advantage gambling and sports betting because the market, I believe there's a lot of opportunity for betters. Um, not like not even arbitrage betting. And I've been limited personally and outright banned by a very high percentage of the bookmakers I've used. Um, and it's just part of, it's just kind of part of the game, you know, like, these books don't have to take your money. And it's like, you know, being some buffet or something where there's some customer who comes in every day and fills up a suitcase. You tell that guy, we're not serving you today. And like it's same with DraftKings, they don't have to give you $2,000 on a bet. They're not legally obligated to. So, why, if you're up $50,000 on them, would they give you $2,000 on a bet? Right. Like, um, so I would just say, regardless of your method of betting, you know, people are always shocked if they get limited. When they start to go up money on a sports book. Um, but like it will happen if you're a profitable better end of story in the U.S. or Canada and regulated sports betting markets. Nothing, to, nothing to do. Nothing you can debt. do. Every single one will better. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. I mean, OK, well, that's not true. Oh, OK. There are ways you can avoid it forever. I'm saying, look, there are things you can do to like be smarter about it. OK. But you're not going to go up. Again, $500,000 on right. that MGM. And they're just going to keep giving you unlimited size. Like These guys are very smart at that MGM in their risk management in terms of flagging players. It's never going to happen just based on PNL, just based on profit. Um, but I mean, there definitely are things that I would say are pretty sketchy to books, right? Like, um, Which I'm happy to talk more about, but... I think the general concept is like, you should be aware that if you're making money, that limits are going to come. They definitely will come.
1: Okay. So your advice would be you arbitrage away and just let the chips fall where they may.
3: Hmm. No, not necessarily. Okay, Like I personally don't arbitrage, bet. I do other forms of advantage betting. Yeah. Like I'm not even saying personally, it's a feature we have on our product. Like I don't think it's best. Right. Like, I'm not saying any form is best. Like, can you make risk free money arbitrage betting? 100%. Have I placed the arbitrage bet? 100%. Can you make money from it? Yes. Is it legal? Yes. Like, all of those boxes are checked. I'm not saying it's the most profitable thing to do mm. or it's the most fun, right? Like, you're not even gambling, <laughs> you have zero risk. Right. But, like, I would say, like, you know, there are some very basic principles people discuss. Like, if you're betting $10,000 on Chinese basketball as an American better, When you start out betting because you're just arbing these books, like you kind of have to be aware that that's very easy to notice, right? Like, so there are very general things, right? Like, just about the sports betting market that, um, you know, people should realize which is one is like market liquidity and stuff, right? Like, if you're the only one betting on Russian ping pong and you're betting tens of thousands of dollars, like your account will get noticed. These books have teams of people that manually review bets, right? Like it's going to happen, you know?
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So th- that's it. You talked about other methods because you don't really like arbing that much. You, look, you like to look for positive expected value, right?
3: I like to gamble. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. So define it for us. A positive expected value.
3: A positive expected value bet. Is a bet with a mathematical profit margin. So what I mean by that is, right? Every sport, every wager has variance, and what I mean by that is the biggest underdogs win sometimes. Um, the biggest favorites lose. People who say they know the future in sports, they don't. It's like the people who think they know what the price of the S and P five hundred is going to be in a month, right? They just don't. They're full of it. Um, who knows who's going to f- score first, the Diamondbacks or the Padres? Who knows any of this, right? Like, there are no locks. There are no guarantees in sports, which is why it's so fascinating. So there's some balance of probability in sports betting. What I mean by that is, like, you know, maybe the you know Padres are the better team, so they're 70% to score first, but they're not 100%, right? So there is some odds that should, you know, that there there should be some odds where you're happy to bet the Padres to score first. In some odds where you're happy to bet the diamondbacks to score first and really positive expected value betting is all about the odds in every single game nba mlb ufc whatever i could give you a price where i would bet the underdog and i would bet the favorite and it's all dependent on odds because again nothing is certain in sports and everything is related to odds um you know like you only have to win a plus 900 bet one out of 10 times to break even. Mm-hmm. Lose 100, lose 100, lose 100 nine times and you profit 900. And understanding where the value is in odds, positive expected value, right, yeah. is is really important. And again, it's not something that, um, I don't know, like I always say to people, or I think about it like it's the same reason people are constantly told as basic advice, like you should have money in you know some form of investment, like the stock market, because there's variance and it may not go every up every single day, but like over the course of the past, you know, like there is a positive expected return, at least over the past 150 years, whatever you want to quantify it as. And it's generally known to be like positive expected value. As in, if you follow the system of investing your money, it grows at a quicker rate than holding cash. Right. Kind of long winded, but um, basically positive expected value is the same thing as of course, you know, Maybe tonight the Dodgers should be their fair odds. What they should be is plus 160. If you can snag plus 180, right, that bet may lose. It may win. Who knows? But like the odds justify the price. We're placing bets at that specific price at those specific odds is profitable in the long run if you were to run a bunch of simulations, you know?
1: Is that what people should do, like uh, come up with a model and then see if that model, you know, get the implied probability and then see what they compare exactly. that to the and odds? Yeah. Exactly,
3: implied um, probability, exactly. Yes and no. Okay. I mean, I say no because, look, I, I mean, I previously worked as a trader. Like, my, my generic instinct is there's easier things to do than modeling, right? And, like, all you see in the stock market is people trading. Who think they have an edge or a mathematical edge because of their specific model and their specific whatever, right? People buying and selling—that's that's that's largely the reason. You know, that's what drives volume is people thinking they have an edge in markets and being able to time it. And realistically, like overall, none of them are. Right? (laughs) You know, it's like every year, it's like fifty percent of hedge fund managers even win, fifty percent of hedge manager hedge fund managers lose. It's just like. You know, it's really hard to beat the market, right. long story short. Right. And in sports betting, it's no different. Okay. Not so, at yeah. all.
1: So somebody who's just kind of starting out, maybe maybe using odds jam or, or some of the techniques, how would somebody who's just kind of trying to figure their way out, find, you know, hunt down some, uh, some positive expected value?
3: Yeah. I would say the first point, because I think it's the most important, is understanding the power of line shopping. I mean, this is literally free on odds jam am not. Yeah really trying to sell anyone anything here, right? Like it is understanding that you are going to need multiple sportsbook accounts to be successful. And what do I mean by that? Again, we said different sportsbooks have different odds. So as an example, if you're in, and again, this will vary from state to state. If you're in the state of New Jersey, you have freaking DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM, WinVet, Golden Nugget. Like literally you could go down the list of 20 plus books you could have. And if you're betting on sports consistently, so of course this doesn't really matter if you're betting $20 a week just for fun. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't add up to that much money. But if you think you have an edge and you're betting pretty seriously, right? It's just like if Winbet is giving you plus 170 on the Dodgers and you're betting plus 150 odds on FanDuel for every 100 you bet, you know, you get 150 or 170, like that adds up to a ton of money in the long run. So it's just, every book you can have in your location, I mean, this may sound, you know, a little aggressive or whatever, because it takes time to sign up for bookmakers and whatever, whatever. But you need a lot of bookmakers because you need to shop lines. Because if you want to bet on a team and you're consistently getting, you know, plus 120, when another book in your location has plus 140, you're just never going to make money. It's never going to happen. Mm. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like. Line shopping and making sure you are ruthlessly comparing odds and getting the best prices, I believe, is the core to sports betting. Too many people place bets, you know, every single night on Fanduel, but they don't even check the prices on DraftKings and they don't realize every week that's adding up to fifty dollars. They're losing one hundred and fifty, whatever it is. Um, so I would say, like, the first key people need to realize is if you actually want to do this seriously. Right. Like again, if you're betting ten dollars a week, twenty dollars a week, like whatever, like it's you know, kind of chump change. You're more just doing it for fun every once in a while. But if people want to bet on sports seriously and try out models or what whatever they want to do, right? Mm -hmm. Like actually try to make money in like a meaningful sum of money, you have to shop lines and you have to do it ruthlessly because if you're getting bad prices, you're just not gonna make money.
1: Mm, you're falling right into what they want you to do
3: (laughs) yeah i mean it's like imagine like the stock market if you know you had if you went in and like you bought apple stock at 200 dollars, and like you could have bought it somewhere else at 198 and you were putting like serious amounts of money into apple it's like why don't i just buy it at 198 bucks it's no different in sports betting
2: oh makes perfect sense guess who's back back again my bookie's back tell a friend that's right djn's proud to say that we're once again, being brought to you by my bookie, but just because they weren't paying us doesn't mean we haven't been giving them some love. I still use my bookie to this date, and you should too. Why? Because March is about to get crazy. Insane, Maybe even a little mad. If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes of up to twenty five thousand big ones the best part about MyBookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere. Use the promo code DGENS to secure your limited time welcome bonus today.
1: Um, another feature, maybe this ties together a little bit. You guys uh, talk about no Novig lines.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Does that tie in together with the line shopping? Maybe finding the price that's the, ba- yeah. the right one?
3: So, right. Like sports books have been around a different amount of time. They have different business models. And, you know, we could have a full four hour long call about that. But <laughs> the two sharpest books kind of, at least two of the three, the two sharpest books in the world are kind of, you know, pretty well known as Pinnacle Sportsbook and Bookmaker Sportsbook. So like checking their lines is way more important than checking, you know, b wins lines. Um, because they're known to be extremely sharp, extremely efficient sportsbooks, uh, low VIG, low spread. So they are really important to check. Like Pinnacle allows arbitrage and they don't limit bettors because they're so confident in their lines and they're so sharp and they've been around forever. They allow so much money to be bet on their lines. It's just a very efficient market, right? Kind of like the stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, so no VIG odds are essentially just like a midpoint of Pinnacle's markets, right? Sportsbooks make money by charging the VIG, by, char- by charging the house edge, the spread, whatever you want to call it. If Pinnacle is giving you like minus 105, minus 105 on some baseball game, those are the two money line odds, Mm -hmm. minus 105 Padres, minus 105 Dodgers, right? Like Pinnacle is implying both teams are 50% to win the game. One team has to win. They both have the same odds. Pinnacle is implying the no vague win probability, as it's called, of both teams is 50%. So if you're getting plus you know six odds on the Dodgers and Pinnacle's minus 105, minus 105, Dodgers, Padres, like there's some good value there to Pinnacle's lines, right? Like checking Bookmaker and Pinnacle and figuring out what kind of the midpoint of their market and getting a sense of what the odds should be. Like if Pinnacle didn't charge big, what would the line be? And it would be plus 100 both teams, right? That's the only thing that's fair. If both teams are 50% to win, is a plus 100 break even odds. And, um, you know, this may be a little confusing and maybe, you know, for this talk, but essentially, like sports books, they don't actually think the prices they're giving you are good. That's why they give them to you, right? Right. Like they don't charge you a fee for placing a bet. They just think the odds they're giving you are crappy. So the question you're always asking is well, if this is the market Pinnacle is giving me, what do they actually think the odds should be? And that's essentially the Novig odds.
1: Is Novig, is it entirely accurate or does it even matter? Because I mean, we, we can't be certain that they're not favoring one side over the other, right? Exactly.
3: It's an estimate. It's an estimate. So imagine I come to you and I'm like, hey, I'll buy, you know, like very trading related argument. Imagine I come to you and I'm like, hey, I'll buy this stock for 110 and I'll sell you this stock for 120. Like, you're like, okay, you think it's worth somewhere between 110 and 120. You probably think it's worth Mm 115 and like maybe you're shading it up or down i don't know (laughs) but you know what i mean But like you know that's my midpoint for what you think it's worth and like what this is worth so then maybe if my friend comes to me and is like hey i'll sell you the stock i say okay i'll pay you 112 like whatever like that guy he would have bought it for 110 he would have sold it for 120 he probably thinks it's worth 115 and i'll buy it for 112 why not like it's using markets in sports as a source of information
1: i like it i like it that's really cool and you, you kind of alluded to it but let's just talk about it you guys have the new like the i think you call it the odds jam line basically it's like a bookmaker yeah. pinnacle hybrid line
3: exactly so a lot of our features a lot of the reasons users love us and you know some don't understand us is we do do a lot of stuff regarding pinnacle and bookmaker and kind of like showing you value there so like for example, me personally as a better. If let's say like the Chiefs are plus seven hundred odds to win the Super Bowl on FanDuel, and Pinnacle and Bookmaker both have it like plus four hundred, right? Like I kind of want a notification. I kinda want, you know, some some alert or I just want a sense that I should be checking out that line on FanDuel. Maybe it's a good betting opportunity. I can always skip it, right? But um essentially what we do with you know, like our odds jam kind of weighted average is we just show you the weighted line between pinnacle and bookmaker. 75% pinnacle, 25% bookmaker. For sure a little controversial, but um it's essentially a source of what the the Sharp sports books like where they're located, right? Like what are the odds they have? It's essentially that's what it shows you. And if Pinnacle and Bookmaker are both giving me minus 105, minus 105, on the Dodgers-Rockies game, whatever Dodgers-Padres, I mean, and I can get plus 106 on the Dodgers, I'm hammering that for thousands. Like, there's a very clear edge to the two sharpest sports books in the world. And I believe, you know, very firmly, and I've tracked my bets since I started betting, that placing these bets with big value to the two sharpest sports books in the world, like, it only mathematically makes sense that that's where the value is. So, that's really what we try to do and that's the way I've always bet, right? Like, The way I always bet since really starting, you know, um, it's like uh, obviously line shopping and making sure I was getting a good price, but also just like looking for value spots. Okay. Every other sports book has this minus 120 odds. I can get plus 100 odds on this sports book. Maybe they're stale. Maybe their line hasn't moved. Maybe they didn't update to the fact that, you know, the star players out, whatever is finding that those spots and those betting opportunities is really where the money is in sports betting. Mm. It's not about a proprietary model. it's not about anything. It's about identifying inefficiencies and odds, figuring out who is wrong and then you know capturing the profit because all the time, right like you know a star player will get injured in an NBA game, whatever Durant's out right the the line on the nets blasts down from minus two hundred to minus one twenty. Is there's going to be some book that is slow to react in like you need to see that because all these sports books have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of odds on their site. And like you're never going to just like find it trolling around these books manually Mm -hmm. because these odds are always moving around like odds are always moving around as books take volume. So like what we really want to do is just like help users figure out good betting opportunities. And like that's kind of the reason I created it. Is a pinnacle and bookmakers start to move big time in an NBA game before any other US and Canadian sportsbooks move, right? Like that's a pretty good indication that someone's injured and like there may be some incredible betting opportunities right after an injury if you can get in first
1: so when the thing yeah yeah yeah, it makes total sense when you're line shopping i guess we should just where do the lines come from these don't exist in a vacuum uh obviously anybody anybody can look at what pinnacle's line is Do, do, do sports books refer to that why are they so different from pinnacle where do lines get born at some of these books
3: yeah absolutely i would say a lot of these books try to set lines independently they hire a line setting company is um you know they uh Uh, These companies have different ways to set lines, they have different models, they have different data providers. And for that reason, like, again, you know, it may be 0.1% of betting opportunities in the state of New Jersey, 0.01% of betting opportunities in the state or odds on New Jersey sportsbooks at any given time, are actually profitable bets. The rest are in line with the rest of the market. But 0.01% when there's 25 sports books that each have, you know, 10,000 odds each, let's say on average, like even if it's 0.1%, that's a lot of betting opportunities. So it's not like everybody is pricing things in a crazy different way. It's just sometimes books are different in terms of like the way they price things and the way their models work and whoever's providing their data. Or the line setting company they use. A lot of these books use third party companies, right? Like
4: yeah, yeah.
3: You know, it's just different players in the market, and they're fine with it, right? Like to some extent, like lines being different—that's what makes them unique. That's why there are this many sports books. The sports books are unique, um, right? Like if all these books had the same lines, I wouldn't be the guy sitting here. With like 40 sportsbook accounts I've had in my life, but I have because all these books basically have different lines. Some yeah. copy each other, but like not really, right? Like, and it makes you create new sportsbook accounts because they have different lines, right. right? Otherwise, I wouldn't have these accounts. They'd all have the same lines. I just bet on one sportsbook, you know? Yeah. Or I wouldn't bet, right? Like,
1: but they all do react to steam movements, right? I mean, if there's a big shift in one of the books, don't the dominoes usually fall? maybe not exactly. as fast as they but should they
3: fall at different speeds yeah right so you know yeah they just fall at different speeds things will eventually correct right like arbitrage is risk-free money in sports betting that doesn't last forever right right it, it like it won't stick around forever it's not like you have 15 minutes to place your arbitrage bet no way like you better get there in three minutes and be quick it's like day trading. Otherwise, you're not going to get there. Right, Alex. I day. do
1: my best work in three minutes or less, baby.
3: Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, go. That's good to hear, Arch. <laughs> <you? laughs> oh man, um, what do you think of? What do you think? I mean,
1: we we like colloquially refer to it as traps. Uh, people sometimes call it reverse line movements. Are 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 you a believer in any kind of uh, uh, you know shenanigans, they, shenanigans no, going no, on?
3: Nope, 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 no. I'm not. I. It's the same way. I feel like people. You know, with their stock charts and reversion and like, oh, you know, this technical chart, it's going to revert. I'm not a believer in it. And I never will be.
1: No, you don't think that-
3: so, sometimes the line steams one way. I mean, there's data to back it. Sometimes the line steams one way and it continues to steam that way. Other times it steams one way and then it starts to revert to the underdog. I believe it's 50-50 and people don't recognize it because people typically only recognize when they're, when they're right, right? It's why most people continue to bet on sports. Even though they've lost money, and I've made the sportsbooks money, hmm. right? Like most people, if you ask them, "Have you made or lost money sports betting?" Right? These sportsbooks are multi, multi, multi-billion-dollar companies. And they are massive businesses all over the world. Is right? They're not losing money to most bettings. like that, right? Like it just doesn't make any sense. So most people are losing money, but most people they get the high when they win. When they lose, they're like, "Oh, I got unlucky." They don't realize they're losing more often than they're winning, and they're not getting unlucky. They're still losing better.
4: Gotcha. Gotcha.
3: And and again, this is a very aggressive opinion, but like it's true. And like it is true. It's the only thing that makes sense, right? Like it it really is. Otherwise, why would sports folks even operate if they were losing to most people?
1: I don't know if they're they're losing, but I do think there's sometimes some some fishy stuff going on with the lines. I I really do believe
3: that. 100% there's fishy fishy stuff going on. I'm saying I don't necessarily. I don't necessarily look too hard into it. And the reason for that is like whatever. Maybe some really rich guy came in and hammered this line mm-hmm. and now this team's minus two hundred, even though they still should be minus one fifty like they, you know, were twenty five minutes ago, but some rich guy just kept pouncing money on it and the line kept moving. I mean maybe, but like you're never gonna know that and that's relatively random. Okay. In my opinion. Well, let's yeah. ask.
1: Let's see if you've got a controversial opinion here. Because I, I know there's two sides of the argument. I've read them both. Closing line value. Is it overrated, underrated? Is it important?
3: Completely important. Is it? Okay. 100%, I believe so. Um, yeah. Beating the closing line odds is the number one indicator of becoming a profitable veteran. It is you beating the pinnacle no vague odds. 100%. People who are beating the pinnacle CLV do not lose money in the long run.
1: Okay. Not very controversial. In the long run. (laughs) Right, right, right. Of course, everybody has to understand that you're just going to, you're going to have bad weeks, bad days, of course.
3: Right. Yeah. But I would say like, I encourage people, right? Like track your bets, right? Like after a sample of 500, 1,000 bets, you will know if you're making money or not losing money, but you need to not be biased. Not call things bad beats and write them off because sometimes you're getting really lucky and you should have lost that bet and your team scored six runs in the ninth inning right sometimes it'll work in your favor sometimes it doesn't but after a sample of like a thousand bets 500 bets like you will know if you're a profitable sports better you're not and the best indication as well before that point is how often are you beating pinnacle's closing lines if you're consistently placing bets at minus 110 odds and pinnacle is closing offering betters plus 100 like, you're not a good, like, you're not winning on those bets. Like, the sharpest sportsbook in the world is saying it's plus 100 odds, and you bet it minus 110. Like, that doesn't feel good.
1: Leaving money right? on the table. You
3: know? You know?
1: So, so when people are out there, how should they approach uh, their money management here? Are you a fan of flat betting? Do you do, I'm, I imagine you're probably not a Kelly criterion sort of better.
3: No, I'm not a Kelly criterion yeah. type of person. I mean, definitely, like, risk tolerance, right, is important. Just like, and people do that in a lot of ways. I think the biggest thing for me is just like betting within comfort. Like I've always been a big believer in that in general, right? It's just like, this is sports betting. It's not, you know, your life. Um, and just what I mean by that is like, if you're going to be super stressed all night because you have $2,000 on one specific baseball game, then no will bet $2,000 on it. Right. It's not worth ruining your night over regardless of how good the bet is regardless of how great of a line you caught, right? Like, it's just not worth it. And um, yeah, so like, I typically tell people like, you know, like, I feel like the gut test for me is like, you want it to incorporate how good is the bet, right? If there's something you don't even think is that good, you shouldn't bet it as big as some bet that is really good, right? Um, That's one aspect I think is important. And the second thing is is like, are you comfortable enough losing that some money? and like sitting there and watching the game and like still reasonably enjoying it even if your bet loses because if not it's probably too much money if um obviously you want to win obviously making money's fun but if like again it's going to ruin your night to lose them given some of money or the amount of money you could win then you're betting too big it's going to affect your like ability to pay rent or something right well, like, right yeah obviously you that, shouldn't go that way yeah. yeah. right you should be comfortable with the risk you're taking, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And if, if you're that stressed out, it's going to affect your mindset. It's going to affect your, your thought process. You'll be making bets you shouldn't or missing out on bets you should have grabbed. I agree with exactly. that. Exactly. I agree with that. 100%. Exactly.
3: And also, like, you know, you kind of place a lot of bets and let the law large numbers hopefully work itself out to make money. <laughs> like, why place one $5,000 bet in a night and you could place 10 $500 ones in a night and have way less variance in the same expected return?
1: There you go. Right? At, like, diversify you know, that portfolio, huh?
3: Exactly. Why do you invest in the S and P 500 and you don't put all your money in GameStop? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the same reason. It's like with this. It's like try to place a bunch of profitable bets if you can find them. Right? Don't Absolutely. just lay all the eggs in one basket.
1: Whether they should or not, everyone's going to be betting the NFL in a few weeks.
3: For Sure.
1: Yeah. Do you have any advice on the NFL?
3: Um, big line moves. So injuries and watching where the really sharp books are moving can lead to some insane value plays. I mean, it's very similar in NBA, Yeah, but I would say that's one thing is, um, I mean, some of the biggest value comes in money lines because you'll always be able to bet the most on money lines as opposed to player props in terms of bookmaker limits, like no sports for, you know, so that I think is important. Watch line moves, watch injuries, watch what Bookmaker and Pinnacle do after a player's released as injured and try to spot value. I would say that's important. And in general, I would say middles Middles are fun in sports betting. I mean, I don't middle that frequently, but I would say you can get some crazy wins. I've had one of my craziest bets ever was a middle, which um, so I could talk about forever because it was one of my favorite wins of all time. But like, <laughs> The difference between 2.5 and 3.5 in a point spread, if you're able to middle that, is a lot bigger than you think. And the probability a team wins by three is probably a lot bigger than you think, type of thing. You know? Let's talk
1: about middling for a second. For sure. Go for it.
3: So, middling is like, um, I'll try to think of a good example. Imagine you can get, it's an NBA game. So, sorry to switch. No, no, NFL is fine. Over 45 points plus 100. Under forty-seven points, plus one hundred, you get plus one hundred odds on both sides. You place a thousand dollars on both sides, right? Like, if there's over, I forgot what number I said. If there's over forty-six points, or over forty-five points, over forty-five plus one hundred. On a different bookmaker, it's under forty-seven plus five hundred, or plus one hundred. Gosh, so plus one hundred is on the over forty-five and under forty-seven. So if there's over 45 points, that bet's winning. If there's under 47 points, the other bet's winning. So typically one bet will win and one bet will lose. But there's that very beautiful chance, right, that there's exactly 46 points in the game and you win both bets. That is called middling. You are rooting for some very unlikely, statistically (laughs) unlikely outcome. But even though you have zero risk, like with over 45 points plus 100, under 47 points on a different book plus 100 you literally couldn't lose money right like you can't lose money if you place the same, same amount of money on both books but there's an opportunity in this beautiful opportunity if there's exactly 46 points you win this massive sum of money
1: that's mm. a middle very good and it's
3: fun you know
1: is that something we can find on odds jam is that potential plays you can seek out or is yeah. that just something you're you
3: have t- a middle section yeah. and i wouldn't say like it is something you should rely on as a betting strategy, but I do think like when they exist, they're a lot of fun. And like when you get a win in the middle, it's, you know, definitely a crazy feeling. <laughs>
1: I'll bet it is. You know?
3: Yeah. And it's fun to watch, even though you don't have much risk on, right? Like arbitrage, we've already said, it's it's boring if you actually like to bet on sports because, you know, you just kind of make a risk-free 2%, 3%, you know, some days 1.5%, whatever, which is cool. You know you lay a thousand dollars, you make twenty dollars, or sometimes there's better odds. But like with the middle, it's like you can bet five hundred bucks, you get a massive payout, or you know, worst case, nothing. So you just have a free lottery ticket, right? It's like going to Seven Eleven and they give you a bunch of free lottery tickets. It's nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
1: it's very cool. Very cool. It's nice. Are you a, are you a live better at all? Do you look at no. halftime lines at all or no?
3: Not really, and the reason is, um I mean. I have bet live. I just think um, it's just a little harder because I feel like at least in the U.S., I've been back in Canada. I don't even know if I can bet on Canadian sportsbooks. I'm not a Canadian citizen. But like the lines typically, they take a lot longer to process and they're moving a lot. So something that is a good bet or I believe is a good bet, you know, especially if it's live, like things can move quickly. And they also, most sports books will take a lot longer to process your bet and allow less betting size. Oh, yeah. That's so true. I completely understand, and believe me, I completely think there's edge and there's mathematical profit margin that you can be successful in live betting. But, um, you know, I don't personally do much of it. You ever buy or, any? Or pre match.
1: You ever buy any points? Maybe shave the, the hook off a, a point spread or no? No. No.
3: No. <laughs> no to be completely honest yeah
1: so one thing i've noticed uh about spread betters and maybe even sometimes i fall into the trap is that i don't pay attention to the number right to the right of the uh the you know the 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 actual spread i kind of don't look at the odds that deep i think that's a big mistake that people are making isn't it yeah it is yeah
3: it is it is because you know it just matters, especially if you're betting something, you know, where you believe it's a meaningful sum of money. Like if you're placing $20 a week, again, I'll always say this, like, who cares, do whatever you want, have fun, mm-hmm. some amount of money per week. That's like not a big deal to you. Right. But like, if you're actually like looking to bet to like make some money and like try to make some money and like actually gambling or betting every night, then yeah, I would say like sometimes these bucks you're expecting to see minus 110 that's minus 114 you're just like what and yeah so checking odds yeah
1: awesome awesome is there anything else you wanted to touch on that we didn't get to
3: no honestly nope i appreciate your time um yeah just line shopping looking for spots with value that's really all there is to it in my opinion and that goes for every sport like i've a ton of ufc i've a ton of mlb i bet golf it's all just about value betting i've had money on golfers i can't even pronounce their name <laughs> of some specific reason right like it's just how it is everything is odds dependent yeah so that's all
1: very good if you listen to me talk about ufc for any amount of time you know i can't pronounce names either ever so
3: yeah i mean the books can't even spell them right yeah, that's it's true. true. they that's spell these players wrong names wrong all the time i'm like some books, especially, you know, certain people who actually, you know, like I get it, like they don't have the easiest names to spell, but it's like, is there not some database with this where you guys are getting this from like ESPN or like some UFC? Like how, how, how are there four different spellings of this poor guy's name? He's probably like, you know, because it's a pain for odd jam, right? Because we have to merge all this data and it's like, how are four books spelling this guy's name differently? But it is what it is, so
1: very good alex man uh great talking to you um will have to do it again sometime for sure
3: yeah absolutely
0: information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations under no circumstances will the owners operators or guests of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents